time, everybody. It is time for Apollos Watered, a podcast to saturate your faith with the things of God so that you might saturate your world with the good news of Jesus Christ. My name is Travis Michael Fleming, and I am your host. And today in our show, we're having one of our deep conversations. A deep conversation with my friend Sandra Ponar. Now, allow me to tell you a little bit about Sandra. She grew up in a Christian home to Romanian immigrant parents in the city of Chicago. Raised going to church and Christian schools, she pushed all of that to the side to go after what she thought was fame, status, and celebrity. After she graduated high school, she went out to L.A. where she immersed herself in the L.A. lifestyle. She became an Instagram celebrity. But as time went on, she became dissatisfied. God wouldn't let her go. Finally, she relented to God's unending and amazing love, turned back to Jesus, spoke out about her faith, and was left behind by the L.A. crowd in the process. I brought her on because I feel that her story is a pretty incredible one. Her testimony needs to be heard, and that she is an inspiration to so many. I also did it because at one time I was her pastor. But it's a joy and privilege to welcome Sandra Ponar to the show. I would encourage you to listen to this young woman's heart, her desire for God, her passion for Christ, and the price that she paid to follow Jesus. Happy listening. Sandra, welcome to Apollos Watered. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to brag about Jesus today. <laughs> awesome. This is going to be great. So I'm excited about this because I've seen your testimony, and I, I think many have that have gone to YouTube and have followed you over the years. But before we get into that, I want to get to know you a little bit differently. And we do a, have a little tradition here, a little segment we like to call our Fast Five. So these are five things about you. I'm going to ask you a question. It may be a this or that, or maybe just a short answer, but five things. Are you ready? I'm ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> okay, here we go. Instagram or TikTok? Oh, TikTok. Why? Because I don't know. Instagram is kind of superficial. TikTok has a ton of humor and I could scroll for hours. Okay. All right. Here we go. Now, um, scrolling your some of your pages, your social media pages, this is one specifically for you. Original three Star Wars or the prequels oh, sequels? You can't do this to me. <laughs> I'm so bad at picking favorites in general. And when it comes to Star Wars, I literally can't pinpoint. I can tell you my favorite movies in each sequel. You can't pick between them? Just, no. okay. How about the original three versus the other six? Ah, uh, okay. You have to understand. I was born in 1995, so even the the prequels are nostalgic to me. That's why I can't choose. I literally cannot answer this question. <laughs> okay, all right. How about this then? Which know. of the favorites in each series? Okay, original. I would say A New Hope. Okay. Prequel. Um. Ooh, that's hard. I think I would go with Revenge of the Sith. All right. And then the sequels, I would go with The Last Jedi. That's a very, very good one. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Here's the next question. Dwight Schrute or Michael <laughs> Scott? Oh, Michael Scott. 
I love him. I, I mean, it's it's crazy because usually you won't you don't love cringy people, but he's one of those people that are just so lovable, even though he's so cringy. I love him. <laughs> I always laugh because I think there is a Dwight Schrute and a Michael Scott in everyone's life. I agree. <laughs> and if you don't have that person in your life, then you are that person. Yeah. Honestly, I think I'm kind of a Dwight. <laughs> because I tend to be I tend to be a know-it-all sometimes and I I kind of correct people when I shouldn't. <laughs> and it's wrong. Yeah, it is wrong. It's usually wrong. Okay. All right, that's good. Now this one's a little bit different. Um strangest food you have ever eaten. Mm, it might be snail. Escargot. Okay. But you Escargot. know what? I would say or oysters are more strange than snails because they're just, I don't know. Can Slimy? I say that they're huge raw boogers? Like that's what they're <laughs> like. <laughs> at least at least with snail, they're small. They, they're kind of like clams. <laughs> but oysters, I don't understand how that's a normal food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I like that. That's really good. Okay, no, that's a new one. That's good. I, I, li I like your description. I'm going to tell Thank that to you. my wife the next time that she wants to eat oysters. That's I don't understand how you can like them. It's just, it doesn't make sense to me. It neither me neither, but I, people love them. So okay, here's the last question: What is one weird habit that your friends or family say you have? Ooh, I might need to think about that one. Hmm. Do, 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 do. <laughs> habit. Oh, I'm not sure my friends and family say this, but I pick up on it. If someone says something weird, I will always repeat it and imitate it like, like if, it, if someone says like um a weird phrase or they just say something in a weird voice or like their voice cracks or something i will always imitate exactly what they said and i'll do the voice crack and i annoy myself by it but i can't help it like i pick up on those things and then i just repeat it <laughs> i have this horrible habit something like that that if i hear someone with an accent Mm -hmm. I immediately copy it. I do that too in it. movies. <laughs> oh, well, I don't do it in movies. I do it in real life. Oh, no, that's and that's Yeah, it's bad. And I feel so bad. I don't mean to do yeah. it. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody to do it. It's just I, I pick it up and I, I it's it's annoying. But uh, anyway, that's that's just where we're at. So <laughs> so we got a little bit about you. So mm -hmm. tell us a bit about your story for those who have not heard it. I mean, you can go on YouTube and hear my testimony. Mm -hmm. And you you talk about from Hollywood to Jesus. Yes. So tell us a bit, because I know you grew up in Chicago. You come from a Romanian family mm -hmm. that came here to the U.S. And uh, I know this. And for those that don't know, full disclosure, I was actually the pastor of the church where your parents were mm -hmm. and you were little. And so you were growing up and I had gone off to go to school. But why don't you share your testimony about your background and just what God has done in your life? Yeah, so I grew up in the church, um, God-fearing parents, parents that have always served consistently. Um, I grew up going to Awana, a youth group, all that jazz. And um, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, when you repeat a word over and over again, it kind of loses its meaning. So for me, I constantly heard like, Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for your sins. And it was one of those things where it didn't have much meaning in my life, even though I knew it to be true. 
And it reminds me of a quote from Spurgeon. He said, I may know all the doctrines in the Bible, but unless I know Christ, there is not one of them that can save me. So I knew about Jesus, but I didn't really know Jesus myself. And um, even in high school, like I had good morals. I would say I was a good kid. But even if you're a good kid, ultimately you're a sinner. Um, That's just the truth. And I was dead in my sin. But I didn't know that. (laughs) I thought I was saved. So after um, high school, I wanted to pursue a career in makeup. And I decided to move to LA because I thought that was the best place to do it. There There was a good school called Makeup Designery. And somehow my parents were okay with it. They went along with it. And freshly out of graduation when I was 18, I moved to LA. So um, when I moved to LA, it was like a whole different world. I was introduced to drinking. Um, I was introduced to partying. And before this, during high school, I had already grown a following over Tumblr. So around the age of 16, I had already um, had the experience of having followers and being known on the internet. So Going into LA, I already knew some people through the internet. So I was included in all these parties, um, all these exclusive things. And as I continued living there, um, I got to a point where me and my ex-boyfriend had broken up. And after that, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Well, go back for a second. You mm-hmm. went out to LA. Partially the reason you went out there, not just to pursue makeup, but he went out there too, wasn't he? Yeah. So that boyfriend actually lived in LA and um, he was a huge reason that I went out there. And I thought that he was the one. <laughs> Silly me. I, I started dating him when I was 17. So of course, your first love, you think that's it. Um, so he was a huge reason, even though at the time I wouldn't have admitted it. He was definitely a big reason that I moved out there. And he actually, um, the way he kind of got to me was he talked about how he was a Christian and how he had gone to Christian camp and things like that. Um, But he actually is the one that introduced me a lot to a ton of sins, sexual sin, drinking, smoking. He heavily encouraged that. And he heavily encouraged having a good reputation, being an influencer. Um, He really valued those things. He valued fashion, uh, materialistic things. So naturally, those became my values too. So so you guys, you went out there for him and then you guys broke up. Mm -hmm. So after that, um, I kind of sought revenge (laughs) as every uh, bad breakup does. I... I thought that um, if I had succeeded in the things that he valued, I would get back at him because he's someone who valued those things and he's someone who hurt me very deeply. So um, instead of crying out to God, which mind you, I knew God existed. I knew God was real, but I had no relationship with him. So instead of crying out to him, I kind of dived way deeper into my sin Um I met some friends who were way bigger in the social media realm than I was. And 
Um, I definitely didn't befriend them to social climb, but it did end up happening and um, their influence rubbed off on me. And um, ooh, I'm trying to see how to phrase this without um, throwing them under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me guess. They not only influenced you socially, but they influenced you in regards to sin. Exactly. And I, I'm definitely not putting the blame on them in that sense. But the Bible does uh, warn you that bad company ruins good morals. Um, but like I said, I have full responsibility. I wanted to do those things, even though they were around me, I could have said no, but I, I definitely indulged myself. And I got to a point where I was drinking every weekend. I was smoking marijuana every single day. Um, I was going on these free fancy vacations. I was constantly posting pictures of myself. My follower, uh, count just kept rising and rising and rising and I started really valuing um, myself in the wrong ways um, because when you're when you're influential on social media, you don't realize people are actually worshiping you, um, and it's all for superficial reasons. Like I would get praised for how I looked, or praised for the fact that I hung out with people that um, other people looked up to. I I was in. I was accepted. I was invited to these exclusive events. I was on exclusive lists. I was known and um, popular amongst my social circle, even though others had way more followers than me in the circle of LA, I was known. So how did that make you feel? I mean, that had to have been, you're young, you're what, 18, 19. I mean, you went out there at 18. That probably took you some time to build that up. So I'm guessing 18, 19, 20, that had to be a whirlwind to go from Chicago to be in this, uh, dare I say, kind of a, a, a sheltered environment mm-hmm. that you had been unfamiliar with to now you are immersed mm-hmm. in this life and uh, in many ways just intoxicated by it. But I would assume you don't have time to process this. You, you're, you're taking it in so quickly and it's happening so fast. I, I just think it would I mean, you lose your way, but it seems like you were already there just from the beginning. Yeah, I was definitely already lost because that relationship that I had really consumed me. I ended up giving my entirety to this person. So from the get-go, I was lost. Even right before I went to LA, I was already, already all in. And it was around my 21st birthday when the breakup happened, and that's when things kind of skyrocketed. Um, and I definitely lost myself even more. Um, I think a lot of the reason I dived so deeply into sin was because I was constantly trying to escape reality and I was looking for satisfaction in things that weren't giving it to me, especially after losing the attention of someone that I gave so much of my life to. I, I started seeking that in other things and things that I shouldn't have been, but the effect that it had on me was I definitely grew entitled. I was super prideful, but at the same time, my self-confidence was so low. It's such a weird dynamic to be um, overconfident and underconfident at the same time. It's like all these insecurities that come along with everybody looking at you, but also all this ugly pride that comes along with everybody looking at you because it made me feel like uh, I was important. People wanted to hear me. People wanted to see me. 
But at the same time, um, everything about me was exposed all the time. So it was a weird dynamic. Now, that's something that I still am amazed at with our hyper social media 24 hour cycle world where everyone mm. shares everything of what's going on. There seems to be no concern for privacy, but yet there is. Um, it seems like people portray an image of themselves, mm-hmm. not who they really are. Did, did you find that as you were going into that? And did you find that in the circle that you interacted with? Like you saw their social media, but then you got to see the real them or or was there even something different? Oh, no, that's absolutely correct. I definitely portrayed the best of me. And everyone around me did that too. Um, honestly, the relationships, a lot of the relationships I had in LA were very shallow. And it seems like everybody had the same mindset where we just wanted to escape constantly. Because the party scene in LA, I mean, it it should just show you that um, people aren't satisfied they're constantly turning to pleasures and you would think that this life of, of pleasures and um, this dream life that a lot of people, especially young people want now to see that it's not satisfying. And I've seen, I've seen the depths of it, how people are actually really sad. And like I just mentioned about the whole insecurity aspect of it, that's almost everyone I came across. Um, Even though there's this source of this, Mm, wrong word. <laughs> this sense of, even though there's this sense of entitlement, along with it comes deep, deep rooted insecurity um, and a lot of pressure. Pressure to perform, pressure yeah. to just continue this image that you have to display to everybody. Mm-hmm. Pressure to perform, pressure to be likable, um, pressure to put out good content, uh, pressure to. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> no, no. So, so tell me, as you're going through this, and I and I've listened to your testimony online. Mm-hmm. What is your family doing in the midst of this? I mean, first of all, is it even as a parent? I, I mean, I, you know, I have kids that are the age you were, and I've mm-hmm. tried to get them to engage the the world to survive themselves um, in it, but to send your your kid or allow them to go out to LA. I mean, that had to have been very difficult for your parents. But what was your relationship like with them in this period of time? Because they are praying for you. Mm-hmm. They're following Jesus. They're seeing the choices you're making. They're hearing the conversations. What was that dynamic like? Uh, I definitely pushed them away a lot. And I know now looking back that that distance was due to shame. Um, knowing that they know what sin is, I knew that they saw me as a sinner and I had a lot of guilt when it came to having sort of any relationship with them because I didn't want to let them in. I didn't want to hear any sort of correction, any rebukes, anything like that. Um, I also was prideful in the sense where I thought I knew better. (laughs) Um, at that point, my mindset was that God just wanted me to be happy. And what I thought happy was living in sin. (laughs) Mm. So having that misconception too, I thought my parents were wrong. And I'm so impressed by the way that they acted during that time because they never pushed me. Um, You know, a lot of parents would probably be more harsh and um, straightforward with their kids saying like, hey, what, what you're doing isn't right. But they knew that my heart was hardened. And even saying something like that, it wouldn't have gotten to me. 
Mm -hmm. Um, But they, their faith in God during that time just amazes me because they literally let everything go to God's hands. They surrendered me completely to him. And something my dad was praying for me was, Lord, don't let her succeed. Sorry. Something my dad was praying for me was, Lord, don't let her succeed apart from you. So that the answer was definitely um, or that prayer was definitely answered in my life where nothing without God, like I wasn't able to succeed without him. But yeah, their their faith in him and their surrender of me to him was just amazing. Now, I want to take something that you just mentioned. You're talking about your parents and I know Mm -hmm. your folks, but I, I, I don't know how much this comes out in your story. But can you describe your family background for a bit? And I'm talking about like grandparents and how your family came to the U.S. because your grandparents or your parents came over. Mm-hmm. to the United States. Can you give a little bit about their background and what they experienced when they were in Romania? Yeah, so my parents both grew up in communism and they they both have stories of their parents like my mom's dad would hide bibles in beehives um just to give to people or my dad's dad got arrested one time just for um having christian books. And one of the the guards actually came to Christ because he he read the Bible that he had. So there's there's crazy stories like that where they were um, being bold for Jesus in the midst of a country that wouldn't really allow it. And my mom came over to the U.S. when she was around 16. It was a miracle, first of all, that she's one of 10 siblings and the whole family got a green card to come. And this was in the middle of communism still. And my dad wasn't able to come over until the walls fell. And um, then they got together, they married here, and they've been following the Lord consistently ever since. I think of the story of your parents and then to think how hearing those stories as a youth and then transitioning to L.A., that is so far removed. Um from experience to see their dedication, to see where you were at, what was really the, the wake up call for you? Because you're engaging in this lifestyle. You are, you're as by your own admission, I mean, you're, you're partying and I'm assuming everything that goes with that. And I, I can't even begin to think what that lifestyle is like. Um, when, when did you really feel like I've got to make a change or something's not right with my life? Well, I would say there's two, two instances that played a big dramatic role in changing me. One of them was that my dad, one time when I was um, back in Chicago visiting, he was talking about spiritual warfare and what happens when we live in habitual sin. Um, You know, the Bible mentions in 1 John 3, 8, that whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning, and the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So hearing that um, someone who practices sin, which means to do it over and over and over again, is of the devil, that, that really shook my soul. And knowing that, I I immediately felt convicted and I knew the reality of hell, and I always had the thought of like, if I die, I don't think I'm going to heaven right now. 
and that thought would come every once in a while, but I, I would, I would tend to brush it off. And another big thing that changed me was I was in my room once and I came across randomly a sermon from Sadie Robertson. And in it, she talked about how she had to um, deal with a breakup. (laughs) And the person who was mentoring her told her, well, you have to go there in your mind back to everything that happened, every bad thing that happened, everything that you did, everything that he did to hurt you. And you have to let God speak truth over that. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, man. I have to go there too. Like I have to relive it and tell God everything that happened. And when I did that, I, I realized how much unforgiveness I was holding on to. And in that moment, I was finally able to forgive him. And I, I remember crying out to God. And I, in that moment, I remember saying like, God, I know you're real. What am I doing? <laughs> like, why, why do I keep avoiding you? But Unfortunately, um, I went right back to LA and continued living in my sin. But something that did change was that I started going to a church. And um, that's something that I hadn't done in the past in LA. So I started going even if it was by myself. And I even ended up getting baptized, even though I didn't fully understand it. Um, But I look back and cherish that moment because I knew in that moment that I was declaring that Jesus is real and I wasn't going to deny it anymore. And even with my friends, I would always say, um, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. But my problem was that I was still living in sin. Um, I, I was still living the same lifestyle while believing that God is real and Jesus is real. And it was hard to navigate that because I, I was trying to be friends with the world while still being friends with God. And James 4.4 4 mentions, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And I was trying to navigate both of them at the same time because I didn't want to lose my status with the world. I didn't want to lose my influence. I didn't want to lose the lifestyle I was living because I felt like I could do whatever I want whenever. Um, so I, I really valued that thing. But I valued those things, but I was also trying to find God through it. But God isn't, you're not going to find God through your sin. He's not there. He's not in the world, but I wanted both. I, I think that's the, the age old uh, temptation for all of us. We, we want the world. We want everything that goes with it, but yet we want God. And yet we can't, because as you said, and quote in James 4, 4, which is an awesome verse, it is enmity toward God. Now, as you're, you're doing that, I can't imagine just the conviction that you're feeling in the middle of all this. God is, is tugging at your heart. He's drawing you unto himself. You're feeling the woo of the world. You're, now, where are you living at this time? Yes, you're in L.A., but aren't you living in a place where with someone else who's a social media influencer at the same time? Yes, I was living with my best friend at the time, and um, we were living in a big house, And, um, something else that was eating away at me was the fact that like, I wasn't paying rent. Like I, I let it all fall on her and that was just out of pure selfishness, laziness. I was so, so depressed and anxious all the time that I couldn't even 
like go to a job interview. Like it was, it was crippling at all times. And, um, at this time too, I was struggling with lust. I was struggling with addiction. There were so many things weighing on me and I can't tell you how many times I tried to stop on my own. Um, I would say like, okay, I'm not going to drink this week. The next day I would be doing shots. Okay. I'm not going to smoke for a week. The next day, let's get high. Like (laughs) it was constant and I, I could not stop in my flesh. I tried so hard. Um, then it, it all culminated to this point where I I was just done. Um, it came to a point where I had a huge mental breakdown one day. Um, I, I was having a panic attack because I was consumed with thoughts that I wasn't good enough. My life had no purpose. It had no meaning. Um, I was constantly sinning. Um, And I remember calling my parents at the time and I remember telling them like, I'm a failure. Um, And one of the things that sparked this was the fact that our lease was going to be up soon and I barely had any income. I didn't know how how I was going to live there anymore. Um, So yeah, go ahead. now Now, how many social media followers did you have at this time? I had around 80,000 on Instagram. Um, I want to say 60,000 on YouTube and probably around 20,000 on Twitter. Okay. And you're the person you're living with your best friend at the time, uh, were they this, I mean, they have the same type or is there more? No, she had millions. Millions. Yeah. And so that's how she's paying for this lifestyle mm-hmm. is through that. She's getting sponsors. How's that work? Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you get brand deals, it's kind of like, um, it's, it's the same concept as celebrities endorsing a product on an advertisement. They get paid, they have a contract to do so. Um, so when you see somebody with a product on their Instagram or on their YouTube, it's the same concept. They're getting paid essentially as a commercial. So, and she's getting all these endorsements, you're living there for free, but yet you've got thousands of followers and that's not, though it's not translating though to income for you. Mm-mm. And you're, you're feeling this, this guilt, you're feeling this anxiety. What happened after you have this anxiety attack? I mean, what, what changed? I mean, the lease is getting ready to end your, your, you guys are best friends. You know that you're living off of what she has. Mm-hmm. What really shifted? Honestly, it's all Jesus. I, I can't even describe it, but it was in that moment of having that panic attack where I, I was just so desperate. I had come to the end of myself and I had never had suicidal thoughts before, but that day I was like, what, what is the point of me living? And when you get to that point, it's much easier to surrender it all to Jesus because you've seen the way that you failed in your own flesh. And I saw that me taking control of my life was not working out for me. It there was no success, mind you, like my dad prayed for. <laughs> and um, um, when you when you're at a place of rock bottom, that's that's the perfect opportunity for God to swoop in and show off. And I I admitted I there was nothing in me that could stop sinning. I was powerless, and that's exactly when God showed up with His power. And my dad, um, we have a family friend who is in deliverance ministry. 
And mm-hmm. when I was on the phone with my dad, I was like, I, I need to talk to him. His name's Chipri. He's great. Another Romanian. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but he has an extremely successful deliverance ministry. And I knew I was struggling with so much habitual sin that I needed I needed someone who knew God to pray for me and to pray with me. And we ended up um, scheduling a Skype call for that night because he didn't live in L.A. He lives in the Chicago area. And everything in me beforehand wanted to cancel. Um, It was such a battle, a mental battle leading up to the call. But God clearly won that battle because I was able to get over it and just be like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm committing. And in that call, I admitted a ton of sins that I've done, like deep stuff that I never admitted to anybody. And in that moment, that's the moment I finally repented. And I was like, Lord, I'm done. And he changed my will that night. Like the transformation of God is insane because the next day I had zero, zero desire to smoke, zero desires for lust, zero desires for, um, or I should say I had zero feelings of anxiety, no more depression, nothing. I was completely set free and I didn't know that that was possible and even since that day, which was like three, three and a half years ago, those those things don't even um, oh, those things don't have a hold on me anymore. Even if there's a hint of temptation, it's like I can easily say no, and I know that that's God because, like I said, I tried in myself to stop, and I couldn't. It it had power over me. But once I gave into Jesus and submitted to Him and repented and admitted that. Only he can take charge of my life. Um, his authority is way more powerful than anything that um, um, his authority is way more powerful than sin. I mean, that's the point of him dying on the cross. He defeated sin. And just like I read earlier in that verse in First John, that the son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. So I, I literally switched from one night to being of the devil to being of God. And I I can't even explain what happened other than Jesus grabbed a hold of me. <laughs> and it was the perfect opportunity because I was fully surrendered. I was fully repentant. And I was done living this life that was leading to failure over and over again. That was Sandra's testimony, and that's actually just the first part of it. And I invite you back next week to hear the second part to find out about the price that she paid for following Jesus. It's incredible to hear not only about what God has done in her life, but how God worked through the prayers of her family, her parents. To hear about godly parents refusing to give up, continuing to pray, to persevere, is an inspiration to every single one of us. I want to thank Sandra for coming on the show. I would encourage you to look her up, watch her testimony on YouTube. It's pretty incredible. And I also want to let you know about an opportunity that we have that's coming up. We're having our second men's retreat at Phantom Ranch Bible Camp from Friday, April 23rd through Sunday, April 25th. And we're going to be talking about thriving in Babylon. We do live in a modern-day Babylon. The world seems to be creeping in every which way that we turn. How do we, as followers of Jesus, not just survive, but thrive? 
We're going to be exploring the Word of God together, worshiping together, as well as simply being together and learning about who God is and how we might faithfully walk with Him. I would encourage you to sign up for that and to let you know that we're going to be having a retreat with men and women, anyone who wants to come in the next few months. So pay attention to that once we get that on the calendar. But we're excited about that, being able to open up and have more people sign up for our Apollos Watered Weekend. And if you believe in what we're doing, would you do us a favor? Would you subscribe to this podcast, leave us a review or rating online, share this episode with other people, interact with us on our Facebook pages, pray for us, and if so inclined, would you consider supporting and being one of our Apollos Watered Army? Just go to our website at apolloswatered.org, and up in the upper right-hand corner is a Support Us icon. You can support us with as little as $2 a month or whatever amount that you feel feel led to give, we would sincerely appreciate it so that we can help you water your faith and water your world. We also want to give a shout out to our Apollos Watered team. That would be Kevin O'Brien, Brian Dana, Eliana Fleming, and Rebecca Badal, as well as our sponsor, Kathy Brothers of Keller Williams Innovate. If you're looking to buy or sell a home in the Chicagoland area, then Kathy is the person that you need to call. Kathy is great at what she does. She cares about her clients. She sits down with you and learns what you're looking for and what your needs are, then presents you with the best options. I would recommend giving her a call or text today at 630-201-4664. That's 630-201-4664. That's Kathy Brothers of Keller Williams Innovate. And please tell her Travis sent you. Well, that's it for today, everybody. Water your faith and water your world. This is Travis Michael Fleming signing off from Apollo's Water. Stay watered, everybody. Get it, get it.